The title of the morning's message is Strange Things. This is a very familiar passage to most of us, I would hope. Um, if you've never heard it before, we're going to go through it, so make sure you completely understand it. Uh, this is not the only place that we find this, this account. Uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 9. That's where I was getting mixed up earlier, Brother, brother uh, Dan. Uh, it's Matthew chapter 9, it's Mark chapter 2, and Luke chapter 5. And we see the same account, and we see, I, I love when you can read through Scripture and compare Scripture with Scripture when it's talking about the same thing, because every author, although all inspired by God, is highlighting different points and different, different things. And, and, uh, and so we see some aspects in one chapter that we don't necessarily see in another. Uh, and it, it, it lends to, especially as we study them all together, it lends to getting a full understanding of what happened. And I love how all three end. Uh, in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, it says they were all amazed. And I, I don't know about you, but I'd be amazed if I saw somebody get up and walk who'd been lame and, with palsy. In, uh, in uh, Luke, or sorry, in Mark chapter two, it says that they that they all that they saw that they'd never seen anything of that fashion before. Now, that may have been true for that specific group of people, but there's a reason why there was a number of people in the house that day, because they had heard what Jesus was doing. But here, and that, that includes the Pharisees, by the way, that were there. But here it says that they, not only did they, were they amazed, and not only did it cause them to fear God, but it says that they'd never seen such strange things. Now, it's not talking strange as in, like, you know, like uh, Donnie is strange. Now, we know Donnie is strange. It's not talking about weird or, or it's talking about unique, different, incredible. And Donnie, you, you are incredible. <laughs> but, but they had never seen anything like this before. Uh, it's, and, and I began to think about this and the, the work of God that, that we're going to read about and, and, and talk about here in a minute. But, but man, what, what, the Bible says that we're supposed to do greater works than Christ did. And he did this, and we're going to see that the, the power of God, the Lord was present to heal. We'll see why that was. And we know that he's God, and he has the power of God. But he also gives us an example that we're going to see in, in the beginning of the chapter, or the beginning of our passage. But as Christians, there should be something strange in us that causes us to be, causes other people to, one, glorify God, fear God, and then lastly to say, man, I've never seen anything like that before. And that's my hope and my prayer uh, this morning. As uh, they're, they're, we're going to talk to different kinds of people, different groups of people, and there may be, they all they may all be here this morning. Uh, maybe they'll be uh, maybe they'll be a lot of one group or another. But the word of God is good for all of us. Amen. So let's go ahead and go back to Luke chapter five, and we'll start with verse sixteen. And I'm just going to re- read verse sixteen, and then we're going to we're going to get into the word. We're going to pray and then get into the word. So he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Stop right there. Father God, I thank you for this day. God, I am so grateful that we can come before your presence in prayer. God, I pray that you would help me now to, to bring forth the message that you've laid upon my heart. God, I pray that you would, Lord, that I would be emptied of myself, Lord, of my sinfulness, of my, of my flesh, Lord. God, I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit. I ask that, Lord, every word that comes out of my mouth would be from you and not of me. God, I pray that our hearts would be open to, to the working of your spirit. 
Lord, again, we're asking for your presence here today because it doesn't do me any good to preach if I don't have your help. Lord, it doesn't do any good for people to listen if your spirit doesn't convict our hearts or encourage our hearts or, or deal with us as, as is needed. So God, I pray that you would just do a work today, a work that cannot be done by us, but can only be done by you, Lord. May you bless us now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Verse 16 isn't always, isn't always added into this story or into this account as you read it, but it has to do with the context of it. Before Christ did what he does in verses 17 through 26, I see something very important here. It says, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Now this happens after, after he had, uh, uh, has a period of time where uh, in the previous verses where he deals with a leprous man. A leprous man is one who has leprosy. It's a, it's a terrible disease. It's a disease that, that causes numbness to the, uh, in, the, in the nerve endings. And, and uh, so you lose feeling and, and people begin to uh, like rubbing their nose, whatever your, whatever your little tick might be. And they actually rub a raw spot until it gets infected and then your nose falls off. Terrible, terrible thought. People would lose their hand, their fingers and their toes and their faces would be marred by, by this disease. And, and, the, and the, the, if you had this disease, uh, you had to go about away from everybody else. You couldn't live with your family. Uh, you had to live in a, in a house for people that had leprosy. And you had to call, if people came near you, you would have to call uh, out to, to them to be unclean. And we, if we read and, and studied these previous verses, we would see that Jesus dealt with a man who had leprosy. A man he dealt with him with compassion. Instead of running away like everybody else, Christ had compassion. This man came and asked Jesus to heal him, and Jesus placed his hand upon him, and his leprosy was gone. But guess what he told the man? Don't go tell anybody. Just go, just go to the priest like you're supposed to. Make sure that they say that you're clean. Do all the th- make the sacrifices, all, that you're, all the things that you're supposed to do according to the law, and then, and then live your life. But don't tell anybody. He was, he was trying to keep that thing quiet. What did the man do? He walked down the street, I'm clean, I'm clean, I don't have leprosy anymore, my fingers, they're back. I'd be excited, I don't know about you. Imagine, put yourself in this position. Jesus just healed him, he is excited, he is thankful, and he goes and he tells everybody. And everybody goes and they get all their friends and they said, hey, there's a healer in town, and look what he did for Joe. He healed him. Remember, he only had six fingers. They're, they're all back. This is the guy that we've, we've known for years. And so they bring their sick friends. And, and man, the Bible talks about how they brought many, many people to him. You know, when Jesus, uh, when Jesus dealt with, uh, with a, a large group of people and people came to him, uh, one of the things that, that he did, he does it here in verse 16, he would go out and pray. Now, listen, he is, he is God, uh, fully God, fully man, uh, uh, God, God in the flesh. And the Bible says that in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Uh, uh, we're not, I'm not taking away his deity here, but what I am saying that when, when he healed people, it took some of his strength. And there were times when he needed to go and he physically needed to be ministered to. In the, garden of, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed and when, and when he was agonizing, the Bible says that the angel came and ministered to him. 
There, there was a time when, uh, when he fasted and prayed for 40 days in the wilderness. And at the end of that time, guess what? The angel came and ministered to him and prepared to help prepare him for his ministry. When, when he healed the, uh, the woman who snuck up behind him in the crowd and touched the hem of his garment, he stopped. The Bible says that he, that he knew because he felt the virtue, the strength, leave his body. So he understood that, that he needed to replace that in his life. How did he do it? Not by going and taking a nap. What do you do when you get tired? You go to sleep, right? I like to take a nap. I like to, I like to rest. Maybe, maybe uh, make sure I, I've eaten enough. And, uh, and, and well, I've eaten enough, believe me. But, but I, I want to make sure that I've got the strength to go on. I make sure I've got some, maybe some coffee to keep me going for the day. But, stupid mask. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus went and prayed. And can I tell you, the, the, the work of God, uh, by, by Jesus' Jesus's example, is the work of God is, 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 is counter, counterweighted by the power of God in his life as he submitted himself in prayer. So this isn't the only time we see this. See, if you go back into Mark, do that with me real quick if you would. This isn't the message. This is just introduction, by the way. So we're going to be here for a while. Mark chapter 2 is where we find, we find this, this, this passage. We jump, for, jump up a little bit in Mark chapter 1. Verse, verse look at the verse 33. And all the city was gathered together at the door. Now this is day, uh, days before he's dealing with the, the dealing with the the, the, leprosy, the man of leprosy. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. And guess what? And there prayed. This is not the same time. Because the very next instance is the moment of where he deals with the man of leprosy. And then after he deals with the man of leprosy, what does Luke tell us that he did? He went and he prayed. Can I tell you, we need prayer in our life. We need prayer in our ministry. If we do not spend time in prayer, we will not have the power to perform what God has called us to do. Why do we come to church? To be in the presence of God, right? I hope that's why we come. To hear a God-inspired message, can I tell you? I'm not inspired unless the Holy Spirit inspires me. I cannot preach with power unless the Holy Spirit fills me and gives me the words to say. And listen, you cannot pray and you cannot worship unless you have spent time on your knees or on your face or in your chair or in your prayer closet with God in his presence praying and preparing for the ministry of just the worship service. The more we're going to serve God, the more we need to pray. There's a reason we added prayer onto our morning service. God desires us to pray. It's, a, it's an act of service unto him. He desires us to bring, to praise his name. He says, come into my presence with singing and into my course with thanksgiving. How do, we, how do we praise him with thanksgiving? Through prayer. 
where uh, Psalms 100, if you get down to the end of the chapter, uh, go turn over there real quickly. Again, this isn't the message, but we're going we're gonna to run this rabbit till as the Lord leads. I preached Psalms 100, I believe on Wednesday. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, verse 4, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. That word, be thankful, it's, a, it's, a, it's an action word. It's, it's, it's saying that we are to be thankful. We are to act in thanksgiving. How, do we, how, do we, how are we thankful? We give thanks. Oh, we were talking about because it was just before Thanksgiving and we were celebrating Thanksgiving. We were to give thanks. But it is an act. It is, it is a, a moment in time where we, where we stop and we bow our head or we raise up our hands and we say, God, I am so thankful for what you've given to me. And here in the next couple of verses, it tells us we can be thankful for his goodness. We can be thankful for his mercy. And we can be thankful for his truth. Listen, we have so much to be thankful for. But when we come in, uh, many times we've come into church Oh, what, is it? what do they got for me today? Or I want to click off my checkbox because I was there. Listen, I, I, I'm not saying, I'm not looking at your checkboxes. Uh, sometimes this is me too. Uh, sometimes my head isn't in the right space. Uh, but listen, we need to come in with a desire to, to, to be in the presence of God and to lift up his name. And that's not going to happen if we don't come in with hearts of praise. The next says to bless his name. Well, how do we bless God? What's interesting, that word there is, is in Hebrew is, literally means to get down on your knees and to raise up your hands. How do we bless God? By humbling ourselves and worshiping him. But we come in and listen, I've got four kids, I get it. We get busy, we get tired, we snap at the kids trying to get them, getting them ready for church and, and getting to church on time. And, and I understand all that. I drive separately from my wife so that we don't argue on the way, the way to church. We haven't argued on the way to church for years now. But if we were in the same car, guess what might happen? We might argue. I might get impatient saying, Come on, I've got to be there by a certain time. I want to be there. I want to be there. And my wife says, you, you can help me do this. And listen, uh, I praise God for a wife who, who, who does so much. And, I, and she, I get to leave and I'm here an hour plus early uh, so that I can prepare my heart and my mind. But listen, it takes that. What do I do in some of that time? I pray. I'm trying to prepare myself for what God has called us to do here today. And I encourage you, if you're going to serve God here in, 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 in just in worship and just in praise, if you're going to serve God, prepare yourself in prayer. Jesus gives us that example. We need to spend more time in prayer. Back to Luke chapter 9. Sorry, there I go again. Luke chapter 5. Jesus is preparing himself. And there's a reason I believe God, it's mentioned here that he, that he prayed. Because as you notice in verse 17, at the, at the end of the verse it says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Why would, it, why would, why would Luke tell us that? Wasn't the power of the Lord present to heal any time Jesus was there? I believe it was. But I believe Luke specifically wanted us to understand that we needed the power of God in our life. We get it through prayer. 
starting again in verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and, and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their, notice this, their thoughts, doesn't say the words, the thoughts. He answering said unto them, what reason, ye, what reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up the couch and go into thy house. And immediately then he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. As I look at this, this account, I want to look at the detailed preface, what, what happens here to prepare for what's about to take place. Notice that there it says in verse 17, it, it came to pass in a certain day, it's not a special day. It's not a holy day. If, uh, if this, if what made this day special was what took place on that day. I am grateful that God doesn't need to wait until Sunday to work in my heart. I am grateful that God doesn't need it to be a special holiday or a revival service or, or any other kind of service that we have a special day. The, the, the day that God works on my heart is that certain day, is that special day. The only reason it was recorded as, as a certain day is because it was the day God chose to do this. Do you remember the day that you got saved? Now listen, I can't tell, uh, there are people that say, you need to know the date, you need to know the time. I don't know the date and time when I got saved. But I remember the day. There's a difference. Uh, I couldn't tell you what day, the, what month it was. I couldn't tell you what day it was of the week. Uh, maybe a Thursday. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, I, I, I couldn't tell you exactly where I was at. I was at a summer camp somewhere. Uh, I couldn't even tell you what the, the preacher preached when I, when I finally understood the gospel and God spoke to me. But I remember that day. And what, you know why that day sticks out to me? Not because that we were at summer camp. Not because it was a Thursday. Not because of anything else. But because God worked in my heart that day. And I I saw my need for a Savior, and I trusted Christ. I am thankful that God doesn't need it to be a certain day. The day that God works is that certain day for you. We'll see here a different groups of people, but look at the, the, the uh, uh, we saw the, the average the average time, the amazing teaching. Jesus sitting here uh, teaching amongst a, a, a different groups of people. We'll look at those here in a minute. But, but if anybody was going to hear the word of God taught, my goodness, it couldn't have been taught by anybody better than Jesus Christ himself. Notice who he's surrounded by. Doctors of the law, Pharisees, men who knew the word of God. But who were they listening to? Jesus. 
See, it's, it's not about, uh, it, it isn't about who has the higher, uh, who has the, the, the higher uh, degree, uh, who has the better position, uh, or any of those things. It had to do with the fact that it was the word of God coming from the mouth of God himself as he dealt with uh, these people. And man, the crowds amassed. Now, why did the crowds amass? Well, he just healed several people. He just healed the, the man of leprosy, and before that, many people had come to him. And listen, they, if we if we go back and look, uh, the multitudes are following him. Mark chapter two says that it, it says that there was noise abroad that Jesus was in the house, and the crowds came. There were so many people that they were sticking their heads in the windows because they couldn't come through the doors. And there was just a mass of people outside, and Jesus is sitting inside, and he is teaching. And my goodness, I wish I knew what he was saying, but I can tell you it was good. We're, 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 we're not, a, we're, we're not uh, uh, privy to the, uh, what exactly he was saying. We just know that it was coming from God. And my goodness, that would hold, uh, hold my attention. Uh, and hopefully it would hold yours as it was the Son of God who, uh, who was giving it. Those who were sitting there, you had, you, you had, there were those that were true believers. Just prior to this, uh, he had called, uh, he had called uh, Peter and, and James and John and, and Peter's brother to, to follow him. He said, from henceforth, I will make you fishers of men. That's in just the previous chapter to this. I can guarantee you they were there. There were those who loved them, and there were those who were following, and they got to hear the, the, the teaching of the Savior. And what a blessing that was. Uh, there were many that, that came because they wanted uh, maybe themselves to be healed. Uh, and they heard about the, 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 uh, the uh, man with leprosy. There you go. My goodness, my brain is going like they heard about the man with leprosy. He had gone abroad. And man, they, they came themselves. They dragged, drug themselves to the doorway. Was, the only one that was healed was the man with, with the palsy. But they're there. And there were men who were looking for something for themselves. There, there were those who just wanted to see him do something. And then you had the Pharisees and the doctors of the law. And they weren't there because they wanted to hear his teaching. And they weren't there because they, 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 they were following him. They weren't there because they, they wanted to see, see a miracle or, or that they even wanted, they, they wanted to trip him up. They wanted to, to try to catch him in something that they could then accuse him and then arrest him. It's amazing what God did with that group of people. Because in the end it says that they glorified God. That they feared God. But to see also the the available. Look with me in verse verse uh, seventeen. The available power. Verse seventeen says it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of God was present to heal them. There were those that were searching for that, for that healing. There were those who were ignorant of that healing. But can I tell you that the power was there to heal? You know what the difference was between the Pharisees and the man of palsy? Faith. Faith. But they were there, and that power was available. I am so thankful that the power of God is available to heal. It's available to save it's available to work in all of us. See, God, Jesus could have healed every single one of those sick people. He could have forgiven the sins of every single one of them. That power was available. Why wasn't it? Why didn't it happen? Because only they had faith. 
Only Jesus, only the, the man of palsy and his will, the four who carried him, had faith. But it is available. It's available for you and me. When you, uh, when, when, if you're saved here today, that power was available to you. If you're here today and you're not saved, can I tell you that same power that, that forgave the sins of the man that, that was lowered down from the ceiling, that power is available to you. I am thankful that it is not limited, that it is, not, that, that it is there for us any time that we need it. And listen, it's there whether we think we need it or not. We just might be ignorant of it, but it is there. And see, we, now we want you to see the, the desperate problem. Verse 18 mentions a man which was taken with palsy. Now, what is palsy? It's a neurological problem. Uh, uh, there, there are many different uh, uh, diseases that they used to call palsy, but uh, pretty much it meant that they, they were paralyzed. Uh, neurological, it had to do with a, a weakening of the muscles and the, a lack of movement in the extremities. Uh, there's, uh, today, we, we put names to some of those things, ALS. Lou Gehrig's disease, you may have heard of it, uh, uh, where, where you begin to, begin to lose, lose the ability to control your, your extremities. And it may start in, one, in your hands or, or in your feet, but eventually you lose the ability to, 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 to move those extremities. And you, uh, you end up in a wheelchair. And you end up losing the ability to, to talk because you can't breathe because you use muscles to breathe. And it has to do with those nerves that run between your, between your brain and your, and, your, and your muscles. And eventually you're living only because you're on a respirator. Uh, and, and there's no cure for the, the, these diseases. Uh, Gillian Barr is another, is another one. I had a, a patient uh, uh, who, who, uh, who had found out, this is years ago, I had a patient who found out that he had the Gillian Barr disease. Uh, it's, it's another neurological disease. In a matter of three weeks, he went from being a man who worked out, exercised, very strong and healthy, to not being able to walk. In just a matter of weeks, and the, the scary thing with Gillian Barr is that it can go quickly or it can go slowly. Uh, uh, but, but, uh, but in the end, again, there's, uh, there are treatments they can give you to try to help. Uh, they can put you on respirators. They can do, but in the end, there's no, there's no cure for those diseases. This, this problem this man had could have been one of those diseases or countless other diseases that cause palsy. We don't know how long uh, he was paralyzed, but, but I want you to imagine yourself being in that position. Uh, I read a book called Tuesdays with Maury. Anybody ever hear about it? And it describes, uh, it describes this man, this man who was a, a friend, uh, who had a friend, a teacher whose name was Maury, and he got, he'd gone back to, uh, to talk to him, and then he had come down with uh, ALS. And, and talking about the, the struggle that he went through as he lost his ability to walk and to talk and to, to take care of himself and, and to the point where uh, he couldn't feed himself or, or cleanse, clean himself after using the bathroom, all of those things. He had to relinquish all those things and, and the struggle he went through. I can't imagine being in that position and the difficulty it would be. In, that was this man. He couldn't move his legs to get up. He couldn't move his hands to feed himself. Uh, he had a palsy. Uh, uh, his, 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 what happens is as you're, you begin to lose the muscle, uh, you don't just lose it, it atrophies. And, and you begin to curl up like this. And so you can't move. You can't stretch out. You can't do anything whatsoever. Listen, he didn't have, uh, have uh, somebody to come along and stretch out his muscles and, and do all the exercises. They didn't have that kind of medical expertise back then. They didn't even know for sure what was causing all this to happen. Man, he had a desperate problem. 
Do you understand? His life did not look good. There was not hope at the end of the tunnel. There was not a doctor who had a cure. There was nothing that this man had. The only hope he had was Jesus. And when, they, when, they, when he heard that, there, that Jesus was in town and he had healed the leper, when he had heard that, that he had he'd done these other miracles, man, a, a hope began to spring up in his heart. But guess what? He had a bigger problem. So the blind man, he could stumble himself along the way and Jesus might walk by his way and he could cry out and say, hey. But Jesus wasn't walking his way. Jesus was in the house. So Jesus was teaching. He needed somebody else to bring him to, to, to Jesus. See, sometimes the problem out there, listen, we have, a, we have a lost world full of people. And listen, they're in Myanmar and they're in, in, in the Amazon and they're in all those other places. But listen, they're in Augusta too, where they are without Christ. And their only hope is Jesus. It may not be a, a, a physical disease that they have, but listen, uh, uh, this man's greater problem was not his physical, his physical problem. His greatest problem was the fact that he was going to die and spend an eternity in hell. When Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you, that solved his problem. Whether or not he ever got up to walk again, his problems were solved. I, and I can imagine, uh, uh, listen, because of his faith, he realized that, that, he, that Jesus had the authority to forgive his sins. Can you imagine the, uh, knowing that your sins were truly forgiven? Many times back then, they questioned, when, and still, we, do it, we still do it today, when something happens to us, God, why did this happen? Do you remember the blind man who, 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 who the disciples said, who sinned? Did he sin or his parents sinned? Many times we, we question why, uh, and we blame ourselves, okay, God, this happened because of something I did and, and maybe it is I don't know this man in particular but I do know that God forgave his sins that Jesus forgave his sins he had a desperate problem he had no way to get there himself we live in a day and age and there's never been a day and age when there weren't people that needed Christ I think that we are in a worse day today in America than we have ever been before because farther and farther away, uh, the, 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 the longer we live here in this country, the farther and farther away that, that our culture is getting away from the truth of the word of God. And what was one day, one day or used to be historically acceptable and something that was well established has now become foolishness. It used to be back in the 60s, everybody went to church. Even if you didn't believe, you went to church. I, now listen, I'm not saying that that's good. Uh, what I'm saying is, at least then it was acceptable. Today, it's not acceptable. You're, you're, you're mocked in schools. Uh, you, uh, your friends make fun of you. The, the teachers teach you things that go against the word of God. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, we have people in government that literally mock people that go to church. Call them fools. There's never been a better time to be a Christian. But can I tell you, the work still needs to be done. There are people within our country's borders, within our state's borders, within our city that need Christ. And they're in the same position this paralytic man was. Jesus Christ is their only answer, but they need somebody to bring them. There were people here in this passage that brought themselves. 
I am thankful that there are people that seek Jesus. Remember the Greeks who came to who came to uh, Philip and and, and uh, who came to Philip and Andrew, and they said we would see Jesus. There are those people that are seeking. My wife, when I met her, she was seeking salvation. God was working in her in her heart. She she was being drawn to it, and uh, and, and 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 God God used that. She got that's how she got saved. Uh, by, by, in the end, we came to the church, and the gospel was presented to her, and that's how she got saved. She was seeking something. There are people that are seeking. And listen, they'll find a church somewhere. God will lead them to a church because the truth is if there's somebody that is seeking the word, the, the, to know God, God will reveal himself to them. He will not hide himself. He will not keep them at arm's length. He will openly welcome them into the family. He'll, he'll have the gospel presented and they'll trust Christ. But then there are others who need someone to bring them. When, when uh, in the beginning, when Jesus first, when, when Jesus was first seen by by uh, by John the Baptist, he said, "Behold, the Lamb of God was taken away the sin of the world." He pointed two of his disciples to them, and before they went to follow him, what did one do? They went and got the brother. Andrew got Peter. He says, "Hey, come, come, let me tell you about this guy. Uh, it's the Messiah. We found him." And listen, sometimes we can go along and, and we know somebody that, and we're, we're praying for that person. And, and listen, we should pray for, for those that we know that are lost. We should do what we can to, to bring them to Christ. And the truth is, that's all we're doing is bringing them to Christ. God has to do the work, but we, get, we, but we are to do our work. Sowing of the seed and, 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 and bringing them to Christ. And allow God to work in their hearts and they can be saved. But there are some that's going to take more than one of us. Sometimes it might take two, three, or in this case, four of us. Notice what he says there in verse 18. I have this underlined in my Bible. It says, and behold, men brought in a bed a man that was taken with a palsy. Why would he say Behold. Because he wants you to pay attention to these four particular men. Now it doesn't say four men here. It says men. But if you go into, if you go into the book of Matthew chapter, chapter 9 and, and, and Mark chapter 2, it's, it's identified as four different men. And they were, to carry, they were carrying this man on his bed. He says, look at these men. Behold, pay attention. At these four men. He goes, I want you to make sure that they're acknowledged. I want you to see what they did. See, there was this man who was in desperate need of healing and salvation. And they came along, and even though he couldn't carry them in, they saw him, and they had, they had compassion upon him. Now, there's a difference between compassion and sympathy. If I have sympathy for you, I feel bad for your situation. Man, you're in a bad situation, and I wish there was something that I could do to help. But the Bible never says that Jesus had sympathy on them. The Bible says that he was always moved with compassion. Compassion is when you, yes, you, have, you, you feel for them, you, you, you empathize with them, but that causes you, moves you to do something to help in that, that situation. They had compassion. They saw him. I don't, know whether, I don't know how long they knew him. He could have been a family member, could have been a friend. Uh, we don't, we're not given those specifics, but we have a man who is in desperate need of Christ, and you have four men who have faith that Christ can heal, and they said, listen, we've got to do something to get this man to Jesus Christ. Donnie, come here for a second. 
I'm going to do something. How's your back feeling, Donnie? Good. Is it okay if I try to pick you up? Goodness. I can pick you up. Yeah. You probably couldn't pick me up without hurting your back. That's why I, that's why I didn't do that. Okay. Could I carry him around? If I had to. I could put him on my shoulder. It would not... We, there are many different ways, especially as a firefighter, I learned to carry people. And you can do it without hurting them. But it ain't easy. Brother Rich, can you come help? How's your back? Okay? It's okay at the moment? Here, you got on one side? Okay. It's just underneath his arm? Okay. Here, you get his feet. Oh, <laughs> That's a little bit easier. Yeah. That's about on my back. You know, if we got more people, you guys can go ahead and sit down. You. <laughs> you missed it, Amy. You know, if I got two more people, we had a bed to lay them on, we could shake a corner, and it'd be real easy. So there are four people here. Hope I didn't hurt your back, brother. You good. If we had four people, it would be a whole lot easier to carry. And listen, where they had to get him couldn't have been done by one man. You notice, they get to the house, and the house is full. They couldn't go through the front door. He wasn't out in the open. They couldn't put him through. Have you ever tried to put somebody through a window, Brother Donnie? I have. Okay, not by kicking them through the window (laughs) or throwing them through the window. As a firefighter, they, they used to teach us uh, there was a way uh, you would uh, to to, uh, to go out a, a, a window with somebody uh, and down a ladder. Is it very uncomfortable, but possible? But you don't go up a ladder because gravity takes you down. It takes at least two to go up a ladder to carry somebody up a ladder. You need help. There are certain people that we're never going to bring to Christ unless we work together. We talk about our missionaries. Listen, our missionaries need our support. They cannot do it by themselves. What do they need from us? They need people that will serve with them. They need people that will pray for them. And they they need people who will give to them. That's four corners. We give to missions. Uh, what, what do I mean by giving to missions? It's, it's, uh, we support our missionaries. We send money to them because they need financial support because they cannot do the things that they do without being able to pay their bills. They've got families to feed just like you and I do. Some of our, some of our national pa- pastors that we support are pastoring 10 and 12 and 15 churches all by themselves. I don't know how they do it. Uh, Brother Nixon, uh, one of the ones we support, he's going up and down the Amazon in a boat, starting churches in every village that he comes to. He doesn't do that by himself. Do you know, do you know how he does that? He, he spends his, his days traveling and preaching the gospel, and he's got a wife, and he's got children. you know how he does that? Because people are helping support the ministry. 
He's pastoring all these other churches. Why? People are praying for him. People are there for them. And people are helping. Listen, we need that same help here in the U.S. We have Brother Potter that just came through. Who came and, and he's, uh, he's getting ready to, 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 to go down to, uh, to Vermont to start a church in, in the, the, the state capital. It's not a welcome place for, for, uh, for Christians. Now, there are a few churches that are there, but, but that's, that's where God's called him to do. Listen, what does he need? He needs a prayer support. He needs, he, needs, he needs financial support because he's going to be starting a church. You know how you start a church? By going around, knocking on doors, making contacts with people, and having Bible studies with people. It's, it's not something that you can necessarily do while you work a full-time job and have a family. And he has a wife, and she just is getting ready to have a baby or just had a baby. They need their help. But on top of that, there are people here in our city that we need to help. That we cannot necessarily do it on our own. So what do we do? We get others to help us to pray. Listen, the Bible says some water, some plant, some sow the seeds, some water, but God brings forth the increase. It is, not, it is almost never the first time that somebody hears the gospel that, 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 that God begins to work and, 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 and that person gets saved. Sometimes it's the fourth and the fifth and the sixth time. Sometimes you're talking to a coworker and somebody's praying for that coworker because you brought their name and, and they're praying for them saying, God, please, will you save this person? And you get a, a group together to begin to, to seek God to do something and listen by four, maybe God will just work. But we as a church need to work together. I want you to see what happened here. They had selfless compassion and sincere concern. They didn't say, well, you know, we, we, we wish we could do something for you, buddy, but, but the, the house is full. They were sincere in their concern. They, they had a desire to see this, this man healed, and they had faith that Christ could heal him. And they went on, not only did that, they had a strong enough conviction that they went up on top. They, they saw every entrance that they could into the place. And when there wasn't an entrance into Christ, they made one. Back over in the Middle East, uh, during that period of time, uh, many times there were ladders on the side of the houses or stair, stairs up to the, the rooftop. Whether there was stairs on that rooftop or another rooftop, somehow they made their way to the top. But that only got them above Jesus. It didn't get them to him. Bible says that they took up the roof. Say, well, that was probably easy back in those days. No, 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 no. It wasn't just like hay on hay down. It wasn't like a, it wasn't something easy. The Bible says they broke up tile. Mark, Mark chapter 2 says that they broke it up and they had to remove tile here in, in Luke chapter 5. So we know that there was de- construction. They had to destruct uh, uh, the, the roof. And, and I don't know what that did for the, those that were underneath it. Maybe it caused pause to Jesus while they just stood and looked up. Dust begins to come down and sunlight suddenly opens up. They ever lowered anybody by rope on a bed? It takes coordination. It takes, it's not something that you do just easily. Listen, we need to have a coordinated understanding of how we can reach others for Christ. And, and listen, why do I say this? Because people are dying and they're on the way to hell and they need Christ. And God gave us the commission to go do it. And we sit here and we talk about how it's necessary. And we talk about how we have sympathy for those that are on the way to hell. But we don't do anything about it. And it, I'm, 
know what that, you know what that is? Disobedience. To know to do right, to not, the Bible says that's sin. So well, I'm right with God and I'm living a, I'm in a right relationship with God right now. When's the last time you witnessed to somebody? Because if there's that sin in your life, when's the last time you prayed for somebody for their salvation and you, you sought God to open up doors of opportunity? Uh, uh, if you're not doing that, if you're not living that, we're not in a right relationship. People need the Lord. God's called us to go. There's sincere concern, strong conviction. Stymieing crowd, the Bible says that, that the house was full, that they weren't able to get in. But their supreme commitment, they did not let anything stop them. Christians, there should be nothing that stops us from getting the word of God to peoples. What do we need? We need the spirit of God. We need the power of God in our lives to help us to do that. But there should be nothing that stops us because God has given us that command, that call, that commission. Now for this man, not only did he have a desperate problem, but he went to the one who had divine power. I want you to look with me in verse Look down at verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he, being Jesus, saw there, he's talking of the five, the four men who let him down and the, the man on the bed. He said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven me, are forgiven thee. First I see Christ's intuitive perception. I love the fact that God can see into our hearts. God knows whether or not we have faith or not. God knew that they had faith. He could see beyond their actions, uh, and although their actions show that they have faith. Uh, isn't it good to know that, that, that faith always comes out in action? Read Hebrews 11 and tell me that faith does not produce action. And, and I can refute you at every step. Because the Bible says, faith, that James says, faith without works is dead. Hebrews tells us, by faith, they did this. It's, it's not faith in what we can do, it's faith in what Jesus Christ can do. And Jesus saw their faith because he could see in their hearts, but he also saw their faith in what they did. He had intuitive perception, and, and they gave him an immediate pardon. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. This is the greatest thing. that uh, When we talk about the, this man's needs, uh, uh, what he needed more than, than healing, uh, he needed salvation. So uh, it would be great for, for all of us to, to, to be able to see the power of God in, in healing people. But can I tell you, more, more, more important and more desperate is the need for people to be saved. I, I, you see all these uh, people that go around uh, uh, that, uh, the, the, the healing, with the healing uh, movement out there. Uh, Benny Hinn is one of them. I don't, I don't really follow much of it. Can I tell you, it's a joke. You know how I know it's a joke? Because they charge people to get in, and they, charge, they, they ask for gifts for, from them. Did Jesus ask for anything from anybody? Jesus went to where they were. 
Can I, can I look at what, what he did? They brought him to, to Jesus, and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. He had a desire to, to do a great work in this man's life, and the greatest work that could be done was the pardon of his sins. And listen, that, he's the only one that has that ability. There is not a man on this earth that can, that can pardon or forgive your sins. Uh, uh, the Pope can't do it. Uh, the, the priest can't do it. Uh, your preacher can't do it. Uh, your friends can't do it. Nobody has the power to forgive your sins but God and God alone. And listen, the, the Pharisees said that. Who can forgive sins but God? And Jesus said, aha. You're right. Who can do that? He's going to cause them to, to, to think here in a moment, but, but this man received the greatest, the, the, the greatest uh, uh, pardon that he could have, the greatest need fulfilled. And, and, and it, man, it, it caused a problem amongst the people. They began to get angry and, 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 and cause problems. Why is he, why is he uh, pardoning him? His sins. Notice what it says. Jesus Notice what they're, what they're thinking. Now here, it almost sounds like they're saying it to one another. So Jesus says, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, what reason ye, why, or what reason ye in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say rise up and walk. But that ye may know the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. We see a couple of things happen real quickly. The, uh, because he said he'd for, he could forgive their sins, and he did forgive his sins. He didn't need the permission of the Pharisees to do it. When Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you, they were forgiven. And listen, if you, if you get saved, uh, if you've gotten saved, and somebody looks at you and says, you're not saved, uh, because, listen, it's not whether, uh, whether or not uh, I acknowledge your salvation. It's whether or not you've trusted by faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, and that is salvation. You don't need anything else. You don't need, don't need me to give you permission to, to be saved. Jesus gives it all by himself. Sometimes we have Christians who will doubt other salvation. Listen, you don't need their approval. It's God that gives that approval. But then Jesus asks that question it's a, to provoke, the, the, to provoke uh, the thought in the Pharisees. He said, is it easier to say? Why did Jesus do this? To provoke thought. Uh, it, it's, important, it's important to provoke thought in those that, that, that uh, are denying or those that lack faith. It causes them, brings them to a point where they begin to consider in their heart. And of course they said, yes, uh, of course it's easier to say that your sins are forgiven than, 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 uh, than that, that uh, get up and walk to, uh, to a man who's lame. Of course that's the case. And then Jesus Christ authenticated what he did. He, he showed that he was God. He said, if that's the case, rise up and walk. Now listen, that, 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 that lame man didn't need to be able to walk to be saved. He was already saved. But God, in his, in his, in his mercy, in his grace, healed him physically to give a sign to those that were, that were unbelievers. And I want you to see what happens. First, there was an absolute change. He got up and walked. I don't know how long he'd been in that bed. I don't know how long uh, uh, he had been dealing with this, this palsy. It could have been all of his life. It could have just been a part of his life. But he got up and walked. 
Uh, those muscles that had been atrophied uh, were suddenly completely healed and his arms stretched out and his fingers stretched out and he, he wasn't partially healed. He didn't get up with a limp. He didn't get up and say, ow, oh, my back hurts. He leapt to his feet and he picked up his bed and the Bible says he glorified God. Listen, when you get saved, God changes you and God works in you and you are saved. Uh, you're justified you're, you're, you're before him. You stand innocent before God because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. He got up and he glorified God. What else happened? Well, it says in verse 26, and they were all amazed. They glorified God, filled with fear. Everybody that was there. Who was there? The apostles. Followers of Christ, others that were sitting outside, others who were looking for looking for the same healing. The uh, the uh, the, the uh, but most importantly, the, the critics, the doctors, the Pharisees, they were all amazed because in their minds they had just come across Jesus asking that provocative question, and they said, "Of course, uh, only God can 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 could do something like this and forgive sins. Only God could really make somebody stand up and walk." Uh, oh wow, He did it. <laughs> You know, there's a reason Nicodemus believed, right? There's, there's a reason Joseph of Arimathea, who was a religious leader, believed, right? Because they saw God's work. Not all the Pharisees ended up against Jesus Christ in the end. Many of them believed, but were just afraid to say that they believed. You know, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of people today, even, that, are, that want to believe, but they're afraid of what other people will think. Which is sad in our country, because we're not really... Persecuted in other countries, it's true. They're made to live in the lower class. Uh, uh, many of them are, are persecuted and physically, financially, lose their jobs, lose their families. I can almost understand that kind of fear, but the truth is, that when it's, here it says they feared, not feared others, but they feared God. They glorified God and they said this We have seen strange things today. They saw something that they had never seen before. Listen, I, I, my, prayer, my prayer is that, that this week when we go out of here, that those around us see something in us that is different. Why? Because we have prepared ourselves spiritually in prayer and filled ourselves and allowed God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. What that means is we've yielded ourselves to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And I, my, I pray that that's our testimony next week when we come in. Others have seen us and they have seen a difference in us and they have heard different uh, things from us. They say, we've heard strange things. We have seen strange things. What's strange? A, 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 a dead a man's sins being forgiven and, 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 a, and a lame man be, being healed. Listen, uh, or being healed and walking in. Those things are strange. They're unique. They're different. Uh, uh, but listen, God does greater things today than healing people physically. He healed, healed spiritually. I want to be in a church where people are getting saved. I want to pastor a church where God is continuing to work and lives are continuing to change. Uh, I'm not saying that somebody has to get saved every Sunday, though. That would be amazing. And it should be what we're praying for. Together. As we band together and work together to see people saved instead of sitting back and waiting until somebody comes, comes in. Maybe working together to bring people in. 
We're going to do something different for, for, our, 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 for our invitation. This is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to think in your mind of somebody that you know that needs Christ. If you're saved here this morning, if you know that you're saved, when there's not a shadow of, of a doubt, uh, this is what I want you to do. I want you to think in your mind of somebody that you know is lost. And maybe you've been praying for them, maybe you've been witnessing to them, or, or maybe you guys just laid them upon your heart. But I want you to put that person in your mind, and if you have a slip of, a slip of paper, a piece of paper, maybe write that name down. And in a moment, we're going to have invitation, and I want to invite you to come and pray. You can pray at the altar, you can pray in a chair, you can pray where you're at. If you have a slip of paper, I'd like you to bring it up and I'd like you to put it on that altar. Why? So I can pray. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, you've got to lay it upon somebody else's heart to, to go through those slips of papers after church and we can begin to pray for others for, for their salvation. Why? Because children of God, that's what God has called us to do. To help one another. Whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend, a child, a parent, a, a, an aunt, an uncle, a coworker, uh, somebody, a neighbor, whatever it is, find somebody to pray for and spend some time at the end praying for. Listen, if you're here and you're not saved, well, what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're not saved, I'm going to ask you to come and let us show you what the Word of God has to say about being saved. Now, don't, uh, I, I don't care whether you're a member of the church or you've never been to church before or what the deal is. And none of those things matter. The, uh, what matters is if you're not saved, you're not sure of your salvation, we want to make sure that's, that, that you do before you go home. I'm not going to twist your arm. But can I tell you that Jesus loves you? And the same Jesus that forgave this man's sin can forgive your sins. So why do I need my sins forgiven? Because the Bible says, for all have sinned, come short of the glory of God, and the wage of sin is death. When we die, the Bible says, it's appointed a man who wants to die. One of two things will happen. We'll either go to heaven and spend eternity with, with God forever, or we'll go to hell and spend eternity apart from God forever. And you have a choice to make. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about buying a, a uh, getting a, 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 a insurance, a fire insurance, or uh, I'm talking about giving your life to Christ and trusting God to do a work in you by faith. If you're not saved today, I'd like you to come forward here in a, in a moment. I want to pray and Miss Marge, could you uh, come and play for for us? I want to pray. God's laid somebody on your heart. Come and pray. Pray in your seat, whatever, but let's, let's pray. If, God, if, you, if you're able to write that, that down, uh, the name down, you'd like to, other people to pray for it, bring that up and place it on the altar. But let's work together as a, as a body of believers to bring others to Christ. Father God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, I thank you for, the, for these four men that we see, Father. You, you, you've pointed them out to us uh, specifically that we, would, that we would see what they did, Father. Lord, I appreciate that, that example. God, I pray that you'd help us to have that same compassion and that same love uh, for those that are around us. Lord, we, we, we live, Lord, around so, among so many people that are without, without Christ, Lord, without hope. And Lord, we know that the only... The only hope that they, that they really need is, 
It's in Christ. We ask, Lord, that you would bless this time. Lord, may you be glorified. Help us now. Lord, if there's one here today that's not saved, may today be the day that they come to you. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.